Sean, I've been watching a lot of MeTV, Brady Bunch, um, you know, the old Partridge family, and uh, Flipper. I used to love Flipper, gentlemen, <laughs> but I was watching Flipper, and what I've learned, I was, they had this little trivia thing. They actually had several dolphins, uh-huh. and they also um, like to make the dolphin appear uh, very glowing and very clean. Oh, so they used, shiny? They actually used a product to clean the dolphins. It was called uh, Autogolus, and it was used. Autogolus. And a, Autogolus, and yeah. apparently it was a really good all-purpose cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you something. I have no idea. I've, Folks, I have no idea what that has to do with what we're going to talk about today. A because, uh, I mean, that was, I kind of you made, made that, that up. I kind of, I made, I made, yeah, He's I'm, lying to you, people. Bill is lying but, to you know, the you, public. Everybody, everybody needs a good all-purpose cleaner for their dolphin. You know what I mean? I just thought. Oh, I didn't even hear purpose, that when you said it before. All purpose. <laughs> All purpose. All purpose cleaner. Okay. I, I didn't even hear that. I still don't know I what hope, it has to do with what we're going to talk about. But I don't know either. <laughs> I don't, but I thought to myself, you know, that's kind of – I need that for my act. I kind of that, – that is a Bill Guthrie original. Well, All purpose cool. cleaner. Yeah. Who do, I mean, you that, think, who do you think to when you don't think to yourself? Who do I think to? I, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. I, I'll have to ponder that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people say that all the time. I thought to myself. Yes. They don't think they don't say I thought to you. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> I thought to the porpoise. The, I, I did that on purpose. I, I said that on purpose. I said I said that on. Well, good morning, Sean Perkins. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, good, Bill Guthrie. Good morning. We are here. We are on a, on a stormy. Friday. It may not be morning where you're listening, but it is right now. Where it is, we are. it is now, and it's a, it's stormy where we are now, and it's Friday the thirteenth where we are now. So yes, watch out! It's yeah. a stormy Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Jason may be outside for all we know. Jason nah. loves this day. Now nah. we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> it's a beautiful little morning. Yeah, actually. I kind of like thunderstormy, cloudy. Yeah, it's just very kind of it just is just a subtle little rain and darkness it, out there. It's the, it's the nice kind of storm. It isn't yeah. the tornadic thing, windy. Not nonsense that has happened recently. It's kind of it kind of goes along with our poem because our poem is just kind of, you know, a very it's an evenly killed little snippet of darkness. It really, is, it is, and it's also <laughs> it well right. That was a very Barnabas Collins thing to say, but but it is um, sort of a universal theme as well because this is one of those things where you ask someone, "Haven't you had a situation, or have you ever had this happen to you?" And you think, "Yeah." That's happened to me. Speaking of yeah. Barnabas Collins, I don't have, we don't have sherry here with us, but we do have some apothic wine. We don't have so sherry, but we have really a, cool. we have apothic. We, we're out of crush, but we have red. Uh-huh. And so Bill brought these beautiful. What kind of glasses? These are These are Fenton uh, Lincoln Inn uh, is the name is the menu is the style of these glasses. Just a beautiful well, dark aren't red they, glass. And I thought they don't they go well with the red. Yeah, and um, it's very Barnabas Collins. Doesn't everyone need a, a sixty-seven? different sets of stemware in their mm-hmm. home yeah, yeah apparently you know dark. no one told me any differently i didn't know we were going to have a dark shadows theme today we do it is sort of uh gothic isn't it uh, yeah apothic gothic i would have brought in my josette's theme you know oh. music box theme oh yes oh yes <laughs> we are up to episode 29 29 Bill. next yeah. week is going to be we, uh, i guess we'll need streamers and and 
sort of balloons or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Right. Episode 29 of Wacky Poem Life. Wacky Poem Life. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We talk about a poem that someone has left here where we are recording in the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry for 30 minutes or so and uh, get off track, but n- never too horribly. Never too know. horribly in, in the hamlet of Locust Grove, Oklahoma. And I wonder if everyone ever, if anyone ever drives down. Not the down, Shakespeare hamlet, if but the hamlet ever, of Locust Grove. The, the, the hamlet. Yeah, exactly. Not from the hamlet. <laughs> Where you can get a good ham, by the way. But um, I wonder if anyone ever hears us and, and says, I wonder where that little place is and drives down Main Street and looks for the building with all the letters on the side mm-hmm. and says, that's where that's at. That's right. That's where that little place is at, where that all that epic mm-hmm. knowledge It's very easy to find us. comes from. There's, <laughs> right. There are no other buildings in town that have poetry oh, yeah, on the side none, of them. None. No. <laughs> yeah. Very easy to find. Plus, we only have like two stop stoplights. <laughs> so that, That's true. Which is kind of a, a quaint. That's quaint. I'm always amazed when people say they can't find something in Locust Grove. I'm like, what? Like, wait till you get. <laughs> How do you not find it? <laughs> wait till you get to Chicago, folks. Have fun. <laughs> I write a column for the county newspaper, the only newspaper left in the entire county. It comes out once a week. It's just called the paper. And, I like uh, that. I can remember somebody that. Somebody sent me an email griping about how when I was talking about things that were going on in town, I wouldn't put the address. And I was just like, it's. Why? <laughs> go to the the go main to... street is six blocks long. Yeah. Go I... to the coffee shop and ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop, stop by the local grocer and ask. <laughs> okay. Let's put all that behind, behind us, us now. Okay. Okay, or or next to us, or okay. you know, catty cornered from catty us, corner. wherever. Compartmentalize it. Yeah. <laughs> and let's look at today's poem, which okay. is um, if you're not listening to us from our website, wackypoemlife.com, you should always go there and, and check out what the actual poem looks like that someone wrote, a visitor to the museum who did not know that maybe someday we would be talking about their poem online. And this handwritten, it's mm-hmm. on a card, and a yeah. catalog card, yeah. and I think it's probably from an exhibit from 2019. 2019, which was in, you had in the bones. In the bones. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I shall read this okay. very cool, mm-hmm. interesting, mysterious poem. They told me I was dead. I didn't believe them. They said, can't you see? You are bones. But they were too. All the world. Just bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to read that again with the word that we think that that, that you thought it might be. Because I, I, okay. I thought it was bones and you thought it was this word. Yeah, this is, you know, it's handwritten and just not the most um, wonderful well, handwriting. It, it, was done, it was done quickly. <laughs> quickly. It you was can tell quickly. it was written quickly. So, yes. you know, you've had those thoughts where you're like, I'm going to get it down quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. They told me I was dead. I didn't believe them. They said, can't you see? You are bare. But they were too, all the world just bear. Yeah, bear. You know, I think uh, bear is something that you, a word that's not used that often. You know, it can it has many definitions. Mm-hmm. B a r e bear, just mm-hmm. laid bare, mm-hmm. down to the skin, the bones, yeah. the in- inner workings. Yeah, and it, like I said, it when I first showed this poem to you, Bill, I said I'm what, not sure if that says bone or bear. You are bone. You are bare. Yeah. But the more I analyze the handwriting, you know, as we often do, we're amateur graphologists now, mm-hmm. aren't we? Right, we are, yes. I, I do really think more that it's bare. Bare. But they 
they do have a, a similar meaning here. Yeah. I mean, you are stripped to the essential, to the core. To the core. Bone or bare. And does, if it's uh, bare as we think it is and being repeated twice, does that make it a little more um, a different category than if it were bone? The answer is in the question. In the question? Okay. All right. <laughs> I should know that now. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I shall. What? What was my question? Then? I don't know. Um, well, look at the poem too. Yeah. There's a question in it. Yeah. Isn't the answer in that question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They said, "Can't you see? Can't you see? You know? Uh-huh. Can't you see what I'm seeing? Do you see what I see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a little poem. It's uh, six lines, and you know, it doesn't really have any imagery in it, especially not like. The poems that we've looked at before, yeah, and still, I th- I really like it. Yeah, I think it's very um, poignant, mm-hmm. and that I feel is very hard to achieve. Yeah. To have a poem that does not have sensory imagery in it, and to still be impactful, yeah, that that's very difficult. It is it, difficult. because you usually, if you're doing that, you usually end up just sounding preachy, you know, or it's propaganda, or it just so abstract nobody cares right right well um do you think this might have been a dream it sounds like it could be a dream to me i thought someone Mm -hmm. dreamt this and they wanted Mm -hmm. to know can't you see haven't you ever had a situation like this where you had a dream and you wondered if other people had similar experiences Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. um i've I've had dreams where i think i think i had was deceased or dead you know and i thought well is this what it's like you know do they know i'm dead don't I'm dead. Do you know, do, do we all, you Were know there other people death? around you uh, in your dream death? I think death so. Dream? I think so. Dream of death? I think so. Uh, yeah. I've had several dreams where I am not have passed or I'm dead. Were they the they? Yeah. The they? Uh, they were they. See, the they. They were the others. They were the, the first others. Word, the first word in this poem is, is interesting to me. Who is the they? Who is they? Yeah. You know, we always hear they say. The ubiquitous they. they. The ubiquitous they. Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. We don't know. So I love – there's a lot of reasons why I think this poem works, even though it doesn't have imagery. And that's one of them, is that it starts like it's in the middle of a conversation or Mm -hmm. something. They told me. yeah, Like we had been talking to someone, and we knew who the they was, and we just kind of – you know, got into the conversation right in the middle of this. Because apparently they had the knowledge. Whoever this they They, is, they told me I was dead. You were dead. I'm I'm not dead. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe them. I'm not dead. But they were dead, too. Some voices were telling the person some, this. Yeah. Some voices of authority, apparently, or, or, or had some or knowledge. Or is it voices inside this person's head? Well, the answer's in the question. <laughs> you got me. I got you. I was mid, I was in mid-drink, and I about spit it out. Thanks, Bill. We're going to do a spit take. we do a spit take. Spit take. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Thanks. Actually, that should not that should not be a laugh. You should really get uh, this for that. Oh, Bill. oh yeah. applause! I'll take applause. <laughs> applause. I was one wondering uh, about bones in literature and poetry because and uh, in our speech, did you bone up on that? I boned up on that. Ah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I know. I knew you're going to look for it. I knew you. There we go. There we go. It, it's coming. Because I was a little slow on the uptake here. Bones as a descriptor. I felt it in my bones. Man, it's bone cold outside. Mm-hmm. I'm chilled to the bone. Mm-hmm. It the is, bare bones. I, it, it is bone dry in August. 
I mean, you know, we all kind of like, oh man, mm-hmm. when you use bone, we, we're gonna that's emphasizing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about that? Is that deep? Did I go deep in the skin? <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I go sub, this time? The answer is not in the question. <laughs> did I go subcutaneously deep? That's a medical term. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Rob would be proud yeah, of you. Right, right. <laughs> With your medical terminology. Yeah, he'll say, uh, uh, what were I, you trying? Well, did I use it correctly? No, you didn't use it correctly. <laughs> yeah. He'll have to bone up on bone your up terminology on for the it. future if you're going to do yeah. that, Bill. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> bones as a descriptor uh, can convey intense uh, description. Yeah. Bone dry, bone cold, mm-hmm. a chill to the bone. I mean, mm-hmm. that means you're pretty cold, Sean. Yeah. It, it does mean you need a. It means you need a heavy coat, not a, not a scarf. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> something heavier. Well, something heavier. Scarf's not going to. Not going to do it. Doesn't warm your neck, not your body. Yeah. What if it's just a really long, like Doctor Who type scarf? Well, then you could. The Doctor Who from back in the seventies. You then, know. Then you could. Tom wind, Baker with the curly hair, that scarf. Then you can wind yourself around in that and probably yeah, do yeah, okay. Yeah. I agree. Yes. <laughs> but I, um, I, I have had situations where I have dreamt that I had lost uh, my teeth. Yeah. I've lost my clothing. Been bare. Been bare. I've lost my direction. Didn't know where the heck I was going, where my car was parked. That's a big one. Probably mm-hmm. because it happens every day in real life, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I seem to work out. Or I have these situations in my dreams, and I never quite get a solution. I usually wake up when I'm most confused. Hmm. So that's. I'm hoping that's not a premonition of years to come. <laughs> I really am. No, it's just your dream life is just telling you this is something you need to continue to ponder. Yeah. Here I am. I'm going to be your dream interpreter okay. for you, okay. Bill. That's a yes. big that, that's a big science. Uh, <laughs> dream analysis. There's a lot of stuff about it out there. Yeah. Some of it's hocus pocusy, but some of it's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean know? there's gotta be some sort of uh reasoning, maybe not rational, but some <laughs> some sort of illogical reasoning for the things that we dream. Yeah, yeah. Because lack of sleep can really mess you up. Yeah, so when you don't sleep and don't dream, you it you will. it will mess you up over time. Yeah, because sleeping is a third of our lives, and and it should be. And if it's not a third of our lives, then um, we're screwing up. We are screwing up, and we're short. <laughs> I think they say we're shortening our lives as well. Yeah, I was just know. reading something the other day about you know the common conception is that eight hours of sleep is what adults need, and really they it's nine. I thought eight was. You know, a goal. A standard for a goal, so long, yeah. Which I don't get, really. And now <laughs> well, we you look at look at the animal kingdom, you know, look at the natural world around us. Whenever, mm-hmm. for a lot of things, when we want to heal something in our human selves, we need to look at the natural world. Mm-hmm. Well, they mm-hmm. sleep a lot longer than eight how hours. healthy those ground squirrels are that hibernate all winter. <laughs> a freaking cat on my bed oh, for man. 12 hours and <laughs> Cats are excellent sleepers. I used to look at animals that hibernate like bears and thought, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> To go and, and as an adult, it terrifies me. But as a child, I thought, how cool to be able to go underground and just cuddle up and sleep. Because I, 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 as a, I still love yeah. sleeping. But that's a nightmare too, isn't it? It is kind of Being a nightmare. Underground. Oh, it is kind of a nightmare <laughs> to lower your pulse and your, you know, heart rate and everything. So I did, I did go to my 
my boyfriend online etymology oh. dictionary to look up bear. Haven't heard about him from him know, in a while. I know. I know. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> and it is from the old English bear, B A E R. Okay. Um, naked, uncovered, unclothed, from the Proto Indo European root, which so many of our words come from, B H O S O, which I, bozo? I don't know. <laughs> oh, bozo. Bozo. <laughs> meaning, okay. meaning naked. Okay. Um, there's also a meaning of it from the, the 12th century that meant sheer or absolute uh, from the notion of being complete in itself, which is that kind of that's kind of interesting to be bare or naked is something about you as a whole. Yeah. You know, your wholeness, uh, your autonomy. And so it seems to me if you have a dream about being naked and you feel ashamed that that's probably some kind of threat to your autonomy yes you know and why do we think of bear as being physically bare you can bear yourself emotionally mm-hmm. uh, intellectually mm-hmm. and that's uh, you're uh, and that's allowing yourself to be exposed to people and their yes. comments or their insults or their <clears throat> judgment uh we don't that's going a little deeper no that's a great word to use with it being exposed mm-hmm. because you know that's what this poem is about too is this they is telling the persona you are bare you're bare yeah. yeah, you are exposed. Yeah. And then the persona just comes right back with, but they were too. Yeah, we're all exposed. But you're exposed to all, exposed. all the world, mm-hmm. all the world, mm-hmm. just spare. Yeah. I found that interesting. So let's just give up. Well, you give up. <laughs> Lay down and give up. Go hibernate. <laughs> just just give it all up. Or the opposite of that, just learn to, to live with that knowledge and do the best you freaking can. Do the best day you can. Day to day. Yeah. And leaving yourself bare and exposed and having a difference of opinion or insight or uh, experience, sometimes we view in this as, as a threat because they're not just like us. But, again, wouldn't that be just so boring to have everyone with the same experience and the same uh, bareness? Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as no one's threatening anyone else, it's kind of uh, adds to the tapestry. Yeah. So, Ooh, that's another good word, Bill. Tapestry. Tapestry. Because yeah, that's a good <clears throat> album by Carol King, also. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I have that record. Yeah, we, we digress. The actual record. And there was a yes. cat on that record cover, also. But yeah. see, we're digressing again. Yeah, and her feet were bare. Were they bare? I'll be darned. <laughs> <laughs> now you're creeping me what out. What? Now, the now they're in the back of my neck standing up. Yeah. This poem reminds me of one of my favorite Emily Dickinson poems, which is not as well known as most of hers. And uh, here, pour me some more of that while I'm talking. Apothic. (laughs) I'll be the apothic exologist. It reminds me of her poem that um, is about the... Oh, it's sort of about the inward eye, about looking internally. It's number 64. You know, she didn't title any of her poems. Okay. And when they were first um, anthologized, people took the first line a lot of times and put that as the title. But now, why did then she later— do, Why did the, she not do that? Is that another story? Is that another I podcast? I'm not really sure why she didn't title them. I don't know. Yeah. Just didn't have— Felt yeah. it was necessary or had the time. And I don't think there should be a title on them. But, you know, in later editions, we had to try and separate them some way, and so they were numbered. So this is number 64. I want to read it. Okay. One need not be a chamber to be haunted. <clears throat> One need not be a house. The brain has corridors surpassing material place. Far safer of a midnight meeting external ghost than an interior confronting that wider host. 
far safer through an abbey gallop, the stones a chase, than moonless one's own self encounter in lonesome place. Ourself, behind ourself, concealed, should startle most, assassin hid in our apartment, be horrors least. The prudent carries a revolver, he bolts the door, or looking a superior specter, more near. Oh, it's like, yeah. ooh. Yeah. yeah. The and, scary and thing is in us. In us, yeah. 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 The, uh, locking in the assassin. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are tons of scary things out there, but, mm. you know, her. this poem is about looking at the thing that is inside. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I was listening the to the assassin in the our assassin. apartment. The, right. That's the apartment like, that's being like, our body, you know, with all the, yeah, yeah, the calls coming from the inside. Yeah. Inside of your of you. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to NPR this morning, and uh, apparently anxiety, a certain amount of anxiety, is not a bad thing. Anxiety is not a bad thing. Everyone no. has it. It's not to be cured. It can never be fully cured. It serves You know the purpose. people who don't have it? Uh, the megalomaniacal serial, serial killers. killers. <laughs> Here we go. Jinx. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have a lot of anxiety, so I'm no I'm no killer. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> well, I used amount. to teach I used to teach speech to college students, and that was one of the things I continually reminded them that you are going to be nervous, you are going to be anxious. Some people more than others, and if you're not, there's mm-hmm. something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Public speaking is, um, and I took that a couple of years in college. And Chana, believe it or not, folks, I was not good at it. <laughs> I really wasn't. As much as I talk, you know, I was not good at it. Well, that was probably a long time ago, too, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, it was uh, 80s, so yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. See? Yeah. So, I, Sean, I was wondering, did you know that poems have a skeleton? I mean, this is not a joke, honestly. I was Because I, I thought, uh, uh, you know, no one knows what to expect with me. They think, oh, what now, Bill? But no, uh, the skeleton of a poem is the emotional curve of which the poem is strung. The it emotional even, curve. It, it even helps to draw a shape, a crescendo, perhaps an hourglass shape, or a sharp ascent followed by a steep decline. What are you reciting from? Uh, it, it was uh, theliteraryLink.com. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about the, the skeleton of a poem. Oh, okay. I thought a framework of a poem. Mm-hmm. How does poetry? Uh, how does uh, how, how do bones relate to poetry? I, I you know I do my research online really quickly. So I, <laughs> and, I, and then I screenshot these people. So that's how. These, these are how I cite my... He's a lot more technologically advanced than I am. These are my people. citations. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I, to even bring my phone in I'm here I'm citing my source. Recording. <laughs> yeah, because it continues to beep, 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 beep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I thought I was adding something really cerebral. Yeah, that's neat to think of the, the structure, the, the, fa- the form behind the poem what was as I telling a skeleton. You what was I telling you yesterday? I said, the skeleton is human scaffolding. But then, you, then again, do you realize how arrogant that was? To think that only humans have have skeletons or bones. Well, I didn't take it that way. I, I know you did. I know you didn't. But what I mean is, like, uh, bones can be scaffolding of, of or anything organic. Uh, it, it is the framework of any organic, most mm-hmm. organic structures, unless you're an invertebrate. Mm-hmm. No insult to invertebrates out there. You know? <laughs> but I thought human scaffolding. That sounds like the name of a of an album or a painting, and I, t- I told Sean I must I need to come up with that or something. <laughs> He's still going to write me a poem about that. Yeah, human <clears throat> scaffolding. <clears throat> One of the things about the framework of this poem, since you brought that up, that I really like, um, something that contributes to that is the punctuation. 
I will never forget punctuation. I've said on here before, I had a, you know, my first poetry mentor in college mm-hmm. who uh, got all over me because I didn't use punctuation correctly okay. in my poem. I notice it all the time now. Mm-hmm. And this person wrote with some dashes. That's my favorite poetic punctuation. Why is that? The dash. Yeah. Because there are no rules with the dash. No rules with the dash? You can use the dash however you want. Okay. Yes, the dash can be used and misused. Yeah. Well, he's my new favorite reindeer, <laughs> Dasher. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. You can use it to a great advantage. I mean, there's a lots of reasons why people use dashes. Uh, and I just quoted a poem by Emily Dickinson, mm-hmm. the queen of the dash. Okay. I mean, dashes all over the place. Yeah. That poem I was just reading probably has 10 in it, and it's a short poem. This one has two. Our poem does. They told me I was dead, dash. I didn't believe them. So why a dash there? What do you think, Bill? Um, they told me I was dead. I think that it, this person is, is is anxious to get the, to the next line and wanting to know what you think about them being that, that perception. Okay. So the dash is kind of an invitation, an invita- it sounds like. An invitation into what they're experiencing. To the reader. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. What about the second time the dash is used? Uh, you are bare, but they were too. All the world, dash, just bare. Um, all the world. All the world. Dash, uh, dash. just bare. Um, it, I, again, it's sort of like a universal experience. All the world, just like me, bare. Um, an invitation in to me again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an emphasis, too, I feel like. An emphasis, yeah. Because you are bare, but they were too, all the world. I think everyone bare. is bare at all times. There are different levels of consciousness of realizing how bare you are at any given time. So it's uh, just pointing that out. Just then. pointing that out that mm-hmm. no matter how many clothes, how much, how many clothes you wear, you're still going to be, you're still bare to some extent. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we're, we'll go. We're going to go deep again, <laughs> subterraneously deep. Well, then, that's that's the reason I like the dash though, because I said there's not a lot of hard and fast rules. With, there aren't any hard and fast rules with it, and it, I think a lot of times. It is not about um, – it's not doing something literary, the dashes, and it's doing something to point out an emotion, you know, that it is more about emotion than it is. But what, what follows the dash? About grammar. It's what, not about grammar. Not about grammar. But when you use a dash, what should follow it? Can anything follow a dash? Anything can follow anything it. Can follow or as Emily used it, it, she used it like a period. It could be the end of a sentence. She would put a dash. In fact, did the poem – no, the one I just read didn't have a dash at the end. But there's another one that I really like. How are we doing on time? Um, an Edgar Allan Poe poem. This is one of his in, that uses the dash over and well, how, over how and interesting over. interesting that he ends it with the dash. Yes, it uh, ends with the dash. And it's like falling off a cliff. It's open-ended. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is his po- very famous poem called Alone. Yeah. And... Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You all can look it up. It's alone, Edgar Allan Poe. At the end of it, he says, um, <clears throat> and it's autumn tint of gold from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by from the thunder and the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view. Dash. Mm. Infer your own image. <laughs> insert insert your own image at this point. Yeah, yeah, this is a poem about him being haunted, feeling like he was haunted mm-hmm. all his life, and that there was always something, some mystery, some demon. Yeah, that was there watching him 
behind everything he was doing. Yeah. You know, when I think of Edgar Allan Poe, I think his favorite music must have been gothic. <laughs> if he were alive today, goth. he was a goth, early goth. He definitely was, yeah. the inventor of the mystery story of himself. The raven, but the this, crow. this poem looks different from most of his poems because of the heavy use of the dash. Yeah, and those are long dashes, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are different kinds of dashes. There There's a long dash long and a dash short and dash, and short an dash. M dash, E M, and an yeah. N dash, E N. Which had no idea. I'm not going to go mind into is, all. My mind is actually blown right now. <laughs> I could go on, and I shall not. <laughs> Dasher, you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Hey, do you know this poem is about being lonely? Lonely, Bill. Well, and do you know? Do you know why skeletons are lonely? Uh, they, they got no heart in them. They got oh, no. Gosh, heart. That was so close. Oh gosh. They got no body. They got no. They, I ain't got no body. <laughs> I ain't got no body. I'm lonely. Lonely, bonely. <laughs> Jack Skellington poem. Jack Skellington. Oh gosh, I, I, I kind of almost got close. You know, <laughs> that was kind of an all-purpose definition. <laughs> In a couple of episodes back, we were talking about the power of words. I think it was no, maybe it was just the last episode. Dissected words. And we talked about that sticks sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will yeah, never hurt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they do, especially if someone throws a dictionary at you. Absolutely, <laughs> As a big a big Webster's, you know, with a thesaurus attachment, it sure can break some bones. Yeah, <laughs> big time, big time, and big stick. Another thing I think about with this poem, Bill, I've got <laughs> my notes are crazy on this. <laughs> Because I read it and I think of so many different things. I think of the emperor's new clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people believing something is there that isn't. I think of zombies. This is kind of a zombie poem. Yeah. You know, yeah. you are bare, but they are too. All the world, it's just bare. Just bare. Yeah. Everything's an illusion. Yeah. I also thought of the movie The Sixth Sense. Where he saw things others did not see. Yeah. You know. And, and people who look alive are dead. Yeah. So they told me I was dead. I didn't believe them. Yeah. So I just pretended I was alive. Pretended I was alive. Yeah. I have often thought, you know, when if I ever when I become dead, will I know I'm dead? I don't know. Who knows? I don't either. I don't, will I, you be bare? I want. I'll be bare. Eid. <laughs> <laughs> or cremate Ted. No, that one didn't work. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. Yeah. Only Other things I... about this poem that I like, because I said at the beginning, you know, that only 30 minutes ago, that it doesn't have any imagery in it, but I really, really like it. And uh, that it has such a strong contrast between the they and the I. There's such a conflict there between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And that makes that makes for some power in it. I also like that it's a dialogue. Mm. They told me I was dead. I didn't believe them. They said, can't you see? But it's almost like this person is sitting you down and saying, hey, come here. I'm going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They told me I was dead, but I didn't believe them. Yeah. But they were too. Like, it's like I'm trying to reason with you. Right. Haven't, you know, haven't you had this experience? Two people but, sitting across from a table they talking were to one another. You know, they, they were accusing me, but they were doing the same thing. Yeah. They were being dead just like yeah. me. Get on my side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the poem as a child, uh, Fee Fi Fo Fum? I smell the, the blood, blood of an, of an Englishman. Englishman. That be, came up earlier in the episode. Yeah, be he alive or be he dead, 
uh, I, I will grind, grind his, his bones, bones to make, make my, my bread. bread. As a child, I thought, is there anything worse than being ground alive to make bread? And how does he smell my blood? How will he? That was, you know, to me, that was kind of like, ooh, that's a powerful uh, ability to smell bo- smell blood and grind my bones. I don't know if I have a chance with this giant. And can bones know. really make flour for bread? It's, it'd be, I don't it, believe it. I think it'd be gummy and kind of. <laughs> it it'd have. It would of, not be good bread. You know, I think it would. Uh, I, I don't think, think it would rise. You know what? I think we should discuss that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think it would I'm taste, not even going to do a sound effect I think it tastes, for that I think one. it would taste kind of marrowy. <laughs> you know, a little gummy, marrowy. Jeez. I don't know. I'm not a big marrow eater. <laughs> I shall discuss that. I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know which of your bones is the sassiest, Bill? Uh, probably the one, the, the, the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sassy. You said that because I'm standing here. I'm standing here. I'm sitting here looking at my hand and my middle finger is crooked because I have arthritis. Okay. No. Oh, yeah, actually, she's been It's your cheekbone. Cheek, uh, it's, it's so cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> cheeky and sassy. Sassy, this is the name of my cheeks. Cheeky sassy. <laughs> this just has, I have this other this other joke here that has to do with, actually it has to do with both bear and bone. I just like saying it. So what do you call a wizard who walks everywhere on bare feet, has poor bone density, and really bad breath? Uh, a super callous, fragile, mystic, hexed by halitosis. <laughs> I was gonna. I had halitosis in there somewhere. You but had I, that part. I had of halitosis. It. Yeah. Thought, How am I gonna use this? Super calloused, fragile, Super calloused, mystic, fragile, mystic. Hexed by halitosis. Hexed by halitosis. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, we're thirty-three minutes in. See, Dang, yeah, that I, went by. You know, time gets away. Time gets away from us. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Um, please, on especially on Apple Podcast, if you would. Give us a review. Um, we we really need our our numbers to go up. Yeah, and I yeah. And I feel like they should. I do too. I feel like we're worthy of high, so uh, help us help us high out. numbers. Yeah, we'd appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, certainly it's, it, some good mojo. Yeah. will come into your life. Yeah, we want to feel you in our bones. You will have sweet dreams. Sweet they dreams. will not be nightmares. No nightmares. I no, promise. You will not be laid you. bare. I promise this to you. <laughs> promise. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, yeah. and join us back for episode 30. 30. It'll Great be day. a celebration. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs>